Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome. Welcome to our show. Good people. Welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about strategy sprints, welcome because we are going today to discuss this topic, how to create your strategy, how to consider that you have your unique selling proposition and overcome competitors. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Simon Severino. How are you? Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, nice, nice. I like the name of your company, Strategy Sprints. For me, it's, <laughs> you know, uh, I found that many companies, they uh, ignore creating the right strategy. They usually use, they analyze competitors, check out how they get traffic sales and just repeat or do the same. So it doesn't work today because you need to consider your USP, unique selling proposition. And Simon, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you uh, named your company uh, Strategy Sprints. Yeah, I'm Simon Severino. It's now 21 years that I'm doing only one thing, and that's coaching entrepreneurs on go-to-market, on how to enter a market how to stay in the market, crush the market and, and stay competitive. So how to really align sales activities, marketing activities and client delivery activities. And I started a company called Strategy Sprints because I needed something that's actually helpful for entrepreneurs. And so entrepreneurs, the way we live right now is... We are in action all the time. We take hundreds of decisions per day and we need quick support. So it's like Iron Man and Jarvis, right? I need to do something. Should I enter that door or that door? I don't know what's behind it. Can you help me, Jarvis? And then Jarvis goes, okay, give me a second. No, take the left door. And so, and then I say, thanks, buddy. Bye-bye. Now I walk through the door. For the next couple hours, I need nothing. At some point, I find something. And I say, hey, can you find out what it is? Should I pick it up or not? And that's when I need it again. So the two questions are, what's the right thing to do right now? Strategy. And how do I do it quickly? Sprints. That's why I call it that way. And, and then I created a digital way, a Jarvis for entrepreneurs, especially digital B2B entrepreneurs who run agencies, and we are now there, Jarvis. We are their coaches, the Strategy Sprints coaches. They are in action. They need to take decisions. They don't have the right amount of data to take that decision, but they have to take a decision quickly. Otherwise, it's too late to use the opportunity. And their competitors are also smart. They are not sleeping. So we want to support them with being there, being their Jarvis, and uh, that's what we do, coaching one-on-one. And then we want to support them by having processes that are proven to work so that they save time. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. If there is a sales script for a cold call, then we'll share it with them. And in the book, Strategy Sprints, I share um, many of those templates. Nice, nice. Uh, 
I'm interested about this book, Strategist Prince. You know, uh, from my experience, I found that many business books are good for sleeping. You know, when you have problem with sleeping, you can take a new book to read it, <laughs> sleep well all night, and it's a good way to save money with medicine pills, you know. Uh, but some books are great. I love them. I can read without stop. Uh, and um, I found some authors like Josh Ugerman, for example, he wrote uh, his books 40 years ago, but all uh, foundation of his skills can rely today, you know, to modern society. And, uh, but I love reading this book. You know, I, I can feel that uh, I don't need to stop reading. I can forget about food, about water, about sleep, just to, uh, to read these books. I love books from Jack London. You know, he wrote all the, his books 100 years ago, but I can feel that I'm part of adventure. Can you tell your methods and give me and my audience a solid reason to read your book? What kind of benefits we can get by reading your book? There are great idea books and there are cookbooks. Everything in between is boring. So a good idea book is, for example, Simon Sinek. He's a great idea guy. He gives you an idea and he inspires you. And the whole book is about one idea, but well written. And then there are cookbooks. You want to cook French? You don't have to reinvent the French cuisine. It would take you 2,000 years. So you just buy a cookbook. How do I make this, this, this chicken in a French way? And half an hour later, you have the chicken ready. Uh, or maybe if it's French, maybe two hours later. But then it's ready, right? So that's a cookbook. The Strategist Prince book is a cookbook. If you run a digital business, you open it up. And you go, oh, today I have to do marketing. How do I do marketing? You open up chapter two marketing, do one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And if you have, to, if your sales is not on plan, maybe it's below plan. The numbers of this week, of this month are below plan. You open chapter three, the sales chapter, and you know exactly what to do. Maybe you are hiring your first employee. Chapter 12, how you prepare for hiring, chapter 13, how you onboard and make them productive in the first week. So this is a cookbook. It's for people in action. And it's just checklists and processes for them to save time so that they can go directly uh, where they need to go. Yeah, I love it. Love it. For me, you know, practice is more important than uh, learning a lot. For example, I prefer to do something than uh, to read everything about that. For example, you now I think if I read 100 books, how to play soccer, how I can beat Cristiano Ronaldo or Leo Messi or even some medium uh, quality players because they prefer to hit the ball a thousand times than you know to uh, learn how to play soccer. So if you have practical tips, I put your book on my list because I have a huge list of books that I need to read. So because, it, you know, uh, my schedule is uh, overwhelmed and yeah, it's hard to find time, but I love getting practical tips. Okay, Simon, you mentioned about choosing the right door. Let's talk more about that. You mentioned uh, about two doors, you know, when you don't know which to open, left or right. But sometimes we have 10 doors, 100 doors, you know, and it's really hard to choose between them. And even more, we need to spend time 
to analyze what kind of door and to find uh, the right information uh, or data before opening the door. So let's talk about that. Can you tell about uh, getting data uh, and to make the right choice in order to save time? Super important because when you run an entrepreneur, even under normal conditions, and this year had, has been less than normal, just even tougher than a normal year. But even in a normal year, we don't have enough information to take decisions. We still have to take hundreds of decisions. Like right now, you run a business. Should you improve SEO or should you write a better email or should you go on social media or should you start your own podcast or should you be on podcasts of others or should you do joint ventures or should you focus on sales? You see, 100 decisions to take and what actually to focus on. So what we do, we work in cycles of 90 days. In month one, we help them simplify, find the direct path. So what are the few activities that in your circumstances right now, if you just do that today, that moves 80% of the rest forward. So month one, we free up 10 to 14 hours per week of their time by just helping them to find the direct path and to streamline the activities. So the whole team will have now more time, more margin, and less stress, and will be more aligned in what they do. We coach always the team that is the founder or owner, one person from operations, one from marketing, one from sales. That's the sprint team. So we have all information. And then we align their activities and we simplify their activities. We find the direct path. That's our job as a strategy advisor. And then we show them which activities are really moving them forward more than other activities. And then they focus just on those. Then there is a weekly reminder. They get a weekly email that's, that does a quick review. Say, where's your bottleneck right now? Is it marketing, sales, operations, mindset, um, or positioning? It takes them nine seconds to go through those questions. And then they are remembered what the direct path is. And then we ask them, How's your prospecting going? How's your uh, closing the deal going? And where do you need help? And so based on that, we go in quickly, Jarvis style. We quickly help them. Oh, you say you need help closing that deal. Let's do a quick deal review. Let's jump on the phone. Tell me where you are. Show me what, what your pitch is. Let's improve. How many of those buyers did you already get? So we coach them on that negotiation and they go prepared into the negotiation. It's a very mm -hmm. practical thing. It's in weekly sprints. Because otherwise, you get lost in distractions. You cannot do 100 things a week. That's why you have to find the current bottleneck. The bottleneck is, if I just improve this, 80% of the rest will improve. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it. Yeah, I think focusing is important. Now, if you don't focus on important things because you can't do anything yeah and uh, i usually uh delegate or neglect some tasks because i know uh, I, I have two hands i have a team who can do something but they can't do anything so it's better to focus and uh, let's talk about scaling you know uh it's not like to hire two 
more uh, two times more employees uh, to get two times more sales you know <laughs> because uh, uh, if you have more people in your team you have more headache you know to manage the process to handle the process so can you tell how to scale uh, because i i often see when companies don't know how to scale they have sales they have process they have they have customers but uh for a long time they can't scale their businesses so if you have this stagnation can you tell what to do how to find the right way in the past you would add people add people add people Nowadays, entrepreneurs, they have found out that they can be very lean and they can use software, they can use technology, they can be remote, they can find amazing people everywhere on the planet. And so right now what we are seeing is that there are actually many million-dollar companies that run on very tiny teams, like three people, five people. Uh, doing a couple million a year and with high profit margins. And this is actually a model that I think is very resilient for the coming years. Let's say we have slow growth of the economy or negative growth of the economy. These are models that are very resilient. They're agile. And in the book, uh, I describe some of those teams and how they they stay lean because we implement with those teams three habits, a daily habit, weekly habit, and a monthly habit. The daily habit is writing down how did you allocate your time today and what will you delegate tomorrow? And when you delegate it tomorrow, you think first, can I delegate it to a software? Where first, can I cut it? Can I cut it completely? If I keep it, can I delegate it to a software or to a freelancer? And so you start with the software because that's quick and cost efficient. And software can do so much. 85% of our operations is run by software. Software telling other software what to do. So when this person downloads that from the website, uh, send them an information about it. Then when they are interested and are ready for an offer, send them an offer. When they have signed the offer, tell the CRM to open up a client project folder in a Google Doc. And then send them the onboarding instructions into their own Jarvis real-time project management space. All of that is done without a human being. The human being does only the 15% that are actually creative and are relationship-oriented, understanding each other, helping them take decisions, asking better questions. Okay, what's around you? What have you tried? What are your resources? This is, very, this is the important 15%, right? Strategizing, listening, understanding better. But the 85% are actually admin, can be done by software, shouldn't be done by a human being. Mm -hmm. And uh, can you tell how to divide uh, something that software can do 
and people uh, can do because you know i don't rely a lot on software uh, of course i use them i have a bunch of tools that i use daily but i can't rely a hundred percent to these tools because i need to check out analyze to edit something i can take something i can't but if i do this job manually of course i will spend a lot more time so can you tell how to divide 85 percent that you mentioned uh, to software we have a simple rule. If a software can do it, a human shouldn't be doing it. So, for example, I write every week an, an email to our clients. This Jarvis email, right? What's the bottleneck? How is your sales going? Where do you need help? So this email, can it be sent by a software? Yes, because it's always the three, same three questions. So it can be done by a software. We shouldn't have a person, a strategist prince, every week thinking about, oh, I should send an email now. Because the software can do it better than we can do it. So that is a simple decision. It's done by a software. Onboarding a new client. Let's say they just paid to work with you. Now opening a project folder, creating a folder with the client's name, and entering there, saving there, the signed contract. Can a software do that? Yes. So if a software can do it, human being shouldn't be doing it because in that time, the human being can use their creative superpowers, their heart, their brain, all stuff that you know software doesn't have um, to actually help somebody do stuff. And if the person was doing admin stuff in that time, they couldn't really like really solve problems, really help somebody, really take time to listen accurately, deeply, and then st starting building a solution. So this is what we find are the human activities, the creative problem-solving activities, listening, strategizing, problem-solving. That's what we want our team to do, and the rest is done by software. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, Simon, let's talk about creating the right strategy. I see from my experience, many companies, uh, they usually analyze competitors. If they see competitors get sales by using some channels, marketing channels, uh, they want to replicate uh, the same. For example, if I go to YouTube, I can't compete with Mr. Beast, you know, because it's not my strong side to film videos. Uh, and uh, I think it's not a good idea to uh, replicate your competitors if they have this strong side skills. Uh, and um, sometimes we have, not sometimes, always, always we have our unique selling proposition. We are different from our competitors. So uh, can you tell how to create the right strategy considering strong side and unique selling proposition? There is a place to study competitors. So in our playbook, our playbook is all the processes, marketing processes, sales processes, client onboarding processes, and management processes. And in the management processes, there is one field. It's called strategic radar. In this radar... I wrote down competitors that I find interesting. 
And so you should have your, let's say, three competitors that you are looking at at a given time because you are learning something. They are doing something really well and you would love to do it as well as they do. Yes, watch them. And I do certainly watch them. And as an entrepreneur, it can help you because, you know, 90% of startups will not survive. So if you want to survive, use the blueprints, use the structure. If you find a good structure, use that structure, but only the form. So for example, if you watch somebody on YouTube and say, wow, they have amazing titles. Of course, you don't copy and paste the title, but you learn from the structure. How does he create? How does he decide the title? That's a very good thing to study. And then, of course, you stay with your voice and with your message and create your title, but maybe informed by what you have learned. That's very good. So you always stay true to your voice, your message, your positioning, but learn from competitors what they are doing and um, get inspired by that and make it a sports. Like you, you, you want to, you want to get as good with thumbnails as, as Mr. Beast. You can do that. Um, don't take the number of subscribers. You will not win that game, but you might, you might pick the game of let me become as good as him with thumbnails or with editing that game. You might, you might win. Who knows? Who knows? Anything is possible. So probably if someone has the goal to beat Mr. Beast with number of subscribers, you can. But it's not the best way, you know, to pay your attention because Mr. Beast didn't try to increase the number of subscribers. He paid attention to create the best content uh, that people want to watch. Once I watch his interview uh, about how he learned YouTube. You know, it's interesting because um, I check out online best practices, how to grow on YouTube. And uh, most of these practices uh, share uh, about YouTube algorithms, how to satisfy YouTube algorithms. But Mr. Beast, he didn't learn how to satisfy algorithms. He learned how to satisfy human being, how to uh, create content that people want to watch, share, uh, engage, spend time, and he watched a bunch of videos, 10 hours a day, he was uh, obsessed about YouTube, so we can see results, and uh, many companies do the same, you know, uh, when they think more about sharing value, helping others, they can go ahead, so yeah, to grow, I'm sorry for this noise, you know, <laughs> yeah, but it happens, okay, Simon, I have the question about, um, how to transfer, not, not like transfer, I mean like to tell your clients uh, what they need to do. The reason why I'm asking about that, because 40% of all recommendations are implemented. So most of them are ignored. Uh, companies have busy schedule, have no time. Uh, and um, you can tell, okay, you need to do uh, these steps, one, two, three, but uh, they're busy, you know, and they can uh, ignore many great uh, recommendations. Can you tell your methods how to teach the right way? Okay, we have these issues, let's fix them. And uh, 
how to encourage, I don't know, your clients to do something. <laughs> we help them measure their current reality and their weak signals. Mm-hmm. That I think is the most important thing. So we talked about the daily habit. How are you spending your time? What will you delegate tomorrow? The weekly habit is, are you moving in the right direction at the right pace? Direction, including speed, that's velocity. It's not just speed because you can run very fast in the wrong direction. So we have to measure if they're running in the right direction at the right speed. And that, we call it the weekly dashboard, is three numbers. The marketing number, sales number, and ops number of this week. Now, two things happen when you pick a simple dashboard with just three numbers. First, your whole team is aligned, you're focused. Second, now it's like angry birds. You shoot the bird, 600 points. You shoot another bird, 800 points. What do you want to do? Most people want to shoot again and go for 1,000 points. Now, imagine you shoot the bird, and then it says, in three weeks, you will get the report about your numbers. (laughs) You wouldn't do it. So it's important that you have real-time feedback because you need that for flow, for motivation. You feel the impact of what you're doing, and so you want to do more. That's an important loop. And the second important thing why we do the dashboard is they know now about their numbers. So they know exactly what what they should do next. Mm -hmm. And that's the important thing because if you don't have that, You are doing a ton of activities, but you don't know which of the activities actually work for you right now. So the most important thing for us as a business coach is to show them what the process is and making it so simple that in nine seconds they can fill out those three things. Because when they have those things, they will see the weak signals. They will see what's working, what's not working. And when you know that, then it's easy to know what should we do this week? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I open your LinkedIn profile because I like to open LinkedIn profiles. And I found uh, in your bio uh, that you help with marketing and sales. Let's talk about uniting this strategy. Once I spoke with the master who told me he lost 400,000 traffic a month because Google dropped his ranking. Uh, but he didn't lose any sales. So he got a huge traffic, big traffic, but he didn't lose sales because this traffic didn't sell his products. So can you tell how to unite sales and marketing? Because I see when sales people don't share data with uh, marketers. Uh, two reasons. The first reason, policy, the company uh, disallowed to show this data to marketers. And the second reason, uh, salespeople often uh, distrust marketers. Uh, we have a few studies that share that uh, salespeople uh, distrust marketers because of many things. Probably marketers are looking for a uh, long plan strategy. Salespeople need sales today because it's fuel of their results. So can you tell how to unite sales and marketing to get the right results? The the reason why we have always a team of four is exactly this. You need to have marketing and sales in the same boat. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and operations because otherwise all these things happen. So every seven days, marketing, sales, operations, and owner, founder, they have to look at this one dashboard and they this dashboard is together. So marketing is looking at the sales numbers. And now they can talk about, did your marketing activity help me increase my sales closing rate? Did your marketing activity help me have the conversations with the right people and not waste time with the wrong people? Because marketing's job is to start conversations and then to filter out the, the, the non-fitting buyers and the fitting buyers. That's why content marketing is important because content marketing shows what you stand for, what the soul of your company is, and who you are here to serve and how you solve their problems. Good content marketing does exactly that. And so it becomes a magnet for the right people and it automatically puts away the wrong people. So if you go to our website, strategiesprints.com, you will see that immediately the first sentence is, you are an agency owner, you have stress in terms of time, you need more time, and you are concerned about not hitting sales numbers, you want to hit sales numbers, we should talk. So after five seconds, if you don't run an agency, and if you have enough time, and if you have enough sales, you know that you don't need to talk. This is how, with with just marketing, because a website is marketing, right? With just marketing, you can filter out the wrong people, and you can filter in the right people. But if sales and marketing don't talk to each other, they will never find out. So salespeople will be frustrated. I'm talking to the wrong people. I'm wasting time. And marketing people will be frustrated. Come on. Why isn't sales up? I created 200 brochures. And then sales go, I don't need brochures. I need the right people on my calendar. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, love your examples. Okay. Uh, let's talk about common mistakes. Can you share a list of mistakes uh, that companies still do uh, by trying to scale their business uh, and how to find a much better way? The number one mistake that I see happening is that people do spend time on social media. That's the biggest waste of time for most businesses especially because there is an order of things and they start in the wrong order. So they start marketing much too early. We tell people to start spending your first minute and your first dollar on marketing at step six. And so we show them step one to step six and that before step six, they are just wasting time and money. So, The main mistake that I see doing is people spending time and money for marketing activities on social media or improving the website before they are at step six. They're just wasting time. So, And then we we help them inverse that order and say, hey, before you have $35,000 every month coming in from sales and you have twenty. 
um, amazed testimonials, trustable client testimonials, and 100 Google reviews, five stars, how great your product is, you shouldn't even start marketing. You don't need a website before that. You don't need to spend one minute on social media before that. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that that's counterintuitive because people think they have to start with marketing, but actually no, because it doesn't do anything. First, you have to have a great product or service. Right? I work with you and I'm amazed. Wow, thank you. Then you need sales in terms of, all right, let's get repeatable clients in every week. And when you have that machine that converts a conversation into a client, now is the first time to start marketing because marketing is an amplifier. Now, if you put a dollar in marketing, you can make $1.2, maybe. But it will be a lot of work because you have to optimize those processes. And it only makes sense after you have built the machine that converts a conversation into a client in a repeatable way. And that is sales. Mm-hmm. So when you build a house, you start with foundations, then walls, windows, and then the roof. Marketing is the roof. That should be the last piece that you build into your business. And the main mistake that I see is people start with the roof. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, I have the question about your experience. You know, I have some students in my network who are looking for ways how to grow, how to acquire experience. Uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. You didn't write a book. You didn't speak on TEDx. You didn't uh, do anything just completely from scratch. What will you do today to learn more about marketing and scaling business? I would find the intersection of what I am passionate about and what people need right now. And then I would ask them, what are your problems right now? And I would start solving them for free. Can I solve your problem for free? And then I would do that a couple months. And then when I solve that problem, I would ask them for a testimonial. And when I have 20 testimonials, I would make that a business and charge now high fees. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love I love this tip. I remember when I started my business journey, uh, I yeah, I helped customers uh, for almost free. Yeah, I charge some money, but uh, compared to my competitors that had a lot of testimonials, uh, ratings, uh, yeah, I I was nobody. But if you can help others for free or almost free yeah you can go ahead you can get experience experience is more important than anything uh, and uh, i'm not sure that if you have no experience you can provide high quality services of course you need to acquire experience so that's why you can charge less uh, simon i have the question about the future uh, can you forecast the future what kind of future will be because many things are coming Uh, we have AI today, uh, probably metaverse will change the world, I don't know. So uh, what your prediction about the future? I'm, I'm not a futurist. I don't know the future. I measure every week to find the weak signals. So what I see is, for example, that our LinkedIn activities are having 0.2% less traction than last week 
then I know, oh, LinkedIn is changing the algorithm. So the way we try to see what's coming around the corner is by observing what's happening. So we see a demographic change. We're moving from one generation to the other generation. So we know, okay, the new generation will be more digital. So, okay, life will be more on the phone, will be more digital. They will buy less gold and more Bitcoin. These are kind of big trends that you can see, and they are, they are here. The AI robotics uh, is here. EV is here. So these are big trends that you can see and start preparing for. But then the actual tactical work is week by week. So measuring marketing numbers, sales numbers, and ops numbers tells us what's happening right now on the ground. And this is what we look at every week. And then we have the big trends, of course. The, we want to be a pioneers in Web3, in AI, in robotics, and be ready for when it hits. But how do you know when it hits? By measuring the weak signals. And so we are looking at those things, but especially in the slight changes. Slight changes in behavior from our customers, slight changes in, in numbers from what we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, love it, love it. Simon, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience the best way how to learn more about you, how to follow you, how to buy your book, how to reach out to you. Yeah, so if you like YouTube, my channel is called Simon Severino. If you want to grab the book, Strategy Sprints, it's on Amazon right now. And if you want to explore having a sprint coach being your Jarvis and helping you take the right decisions and stay on track, you can go to strategysprints.com. Okay, guys, you can find the links to all mentioned uh, links in the description below. Uh, listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Love it. So valuable, guys. You need to read this book, Strategy Sprints. You need to subscribe to uh, Simon YouTube channel because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.